Welcome back in everyone to a fabulous new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are excited to bring you another dance presentation, a fabulous new dance presentation. And joining us to speak to us about it, we have the artistic director and choreographer, Amanda Selwyn, who's with the dance theater presenting it, Amanda Selwyn Dance Theater. The show is called Habit Formed. And it's playing March 1st and 2nd at BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center. You can get tickets and more information by visiting TribecaPack.org. We're extremely excited to bring you a new dance organization for us and to be bringing you their new work. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest to tell us more about it. Amanda Selwyn, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very pleased to have you here and to learn more about not only your your dance theater, but as well as about this new piece you have, Habit Formed. Could we start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about what this work is about? Absolutely. So Habit Formed is an evening length dance theater work. I've been working for about a year and a half on the development process of this piece. I've been presenting it in its interim stages in a variety of venues, indoor, outdoor, in New York City public schools, in a whole range of, to a whole range of audiences. But the full premiere is the production we're talking about now, which is slated to be March 1st and 2nd at BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center. This piece is being presented and has been supported by the CUNY Dance Initiative, which is a fantastic program that gives choreographers in New York City opportunities to have space, which is what we need more than anything in order to create dance. So we get access to the fantastic theatrical facilities throughout the City and University of New York. And the BMCC Tribeca space is beautiful. So we're going to be in residency there throughout the month of February, getting to work in the venue prior to the premiere. Habit Formed really explores what the name would suggest, how habits show up in our lives. My work is very driven by theatrical themes. In addition to being a choreographer, I'm also a yoga teacher. So I also often contemplate yogic concepts, kind of how we show up in relation to ourself and our world and the people around us. And these core themes really drive my choreographic work. I read the piece, the book Atomic Habits a couple of years ago, which now is like everyone's been talking about it a lot. The James Clear book, it's very inspiring. And I have always been kind of thoughtful about how we show up with habits in our lives in a way that can create peace and grace and forward growth and momentum, but also how habits can be destructive. So the piece kind of explores the duality of both of these ideas. So the idea that we develop healthy habits to work towards being the person we want to be, to grow in our lives and our relationship to ourself and our world. But then also we're always kind of on the lookout for when our habits are not serving us. So these core themes really drive the entire creative work, but ultimately it is a very abstract evening of modern dance. So there's no specific narrative telling you a story about habits. It's really using this theme as a way of unpacking the ideas to inspire the audience, to connect with the dancers and to find their own way into the the piece. That is so wonderful. I love that. (laughs) So curious to know, where did you come up with the idea for this piece? I mean, I think... Uh, I've been developing evening-like works of choreography for about 24 years, and 
I, I spend about a year and a half on each piece. I do it very collaboratively with my dancers. So in the studio, I don't just come in and teach movement to the dancers. I come in with an image or an idea and we explore it through structured improv, through short choreographic studies. Sometimes I'll bring in a visual image or a word. And then we develop this vocabulary of movement. And then I like to say that the movement gets passed around the company of dancers and it begins to tell its own story. So I was originally, what I like to say is that each of my pieces is, is in conversation with the pieces that came before. So as I'm in the process of developing one evening like work, there's ideas bubbling in the back that that's bringing up and that usually becomes the focus of the next piece. So my last work was called Threads, which I actually started pre-pandemic, but it ultimately was about our ideas, our connections to one another and the fragility of such connections. And then when lockdown happened, it all got very much heightened because we were very much aware of the ways in which when we are cut off from one another, how it changes how we show up in our world and with ourselves. As I, as I was developing that piece, I started really thinking more and more about our habitual actions, our habitual behaviors, both in relationship and in relation to ourself. So this is kind of what drove the piece. Also, as dancers, we are very much habit creatures. I mean, there's no way a professional dancer could have the skill level that they have, retain the artistry and the physical stamina to perform without being very devoted to their habits of their training, of showing up to the ballet bar, showing up to modern dance class, doing the workout. You know, So I think that sense of discipline that's part of the dance experience always drives my work. And just thinking about how discipline drives us artistically, you know? And one of the things I've been so blessed by is I'm lucky to have a company. So I not I every I have a company of dancers, I've been, many of whom I've been collaborating with for seven, eight, nine, ten years. So we have a regular artistic practice together. And we come into the studio and we're able to play, not always just with a product in mind. And having that regular artistic process has really fueled me as an artist so much. And, and it's developed a sense of habit behavior, you know, and from the habitual action of being in the studio, working together, whether we're working towards a specific project or really just more freely exploring ideas, or if we're revisiting repertory, all those different processes, I'm, I'm really fascinated by how it pushes me as an artist, it pushes my creative community. And I think all of those factors really motivated me, plus reading the book, Atomic Habits, which I really just kind of drove all of it home. That. I'm going to have to check out this book, Atomic Habits. It sounds amazing. Great book. It's a bestseller. So what has it been like developing this piece, getting it up on its feet and getting it ready for the, the debut in March? It's been a joyful process. I mean, as I mentioned, a lot of my dancers have been working with a very long time. We've had the privilege to showcase some previews of the work. We did a preview last June at NYU as part of a residency program there to wonderful audiences. We previewed about half the piece. We also did some outdoor performances of it over the summer, one in the Hamptons, one up in the fall. We performed in New Paltz, New York. So we've gotten to perform it in all different types of venues, whether it's kind of an intimate studio setting or an outdoor throughout the process. And every time we bring a piece of it to the public, it informs us and inspires me to go back into the studio to refine the process. The other piece is, in addition to being a choreographer, I come from a theater and a dance background. So I'm really interested, you know, not only in these theatrical concepts in terms of what drives the work, but 
how to create an entire experience on stage. So it's the movement, but it's also the lighting. It's also the costumes. It's also the scenic design. It's the music. It's the engagement of the, of the audience's focus throughout the course of the evening. So I have a team of designers, many of whom I've been collaborating with for more than 15 years. My lighting designer, Dan Osmankowski, is involved throughout the process. My costume designer, Annalisa Bellows, I've been working with for 23 years. And she brings all different samples into the process. We develop the pieces along the way. She's really involved. And she also has been collaborating on the scenic design with Robert Dutriel. And the two of them, we've created a whole series of moving objects that will become part of the landscape of the piece. So we're going to actually have, I'm calling them cages for lack of a better term, but they're kind of somewhere between a tent and a cage. These kind of sculptural elements the dancers are going to go inside of around, they're going to move around the space. And the idea is that these scenic elements become a metaphor very much for the way that the habits show up in our lives. Sometimes they create constriction, sometimes they create freedom. And one of the things about not about being a choreographer in New York City is unless you have, have most people don't have space to work with all these physical elements for months on end. So we are really privileged to have this residency at CUNY because we're going to have a month in the space where we can play with the physical objects. So we're not going to just have that week of production week. We're going to have lots of time to explore how we can really use them in the space in a thoughtful and interesting way, how we can integrate lighting, how we can think about really interesting transitions. So that's so exciting. So in addition to the cages, we're also going to have these little sculptural elements that the dancers are going to be climbing on and balancing on throughout this piece. And they're going to move around and break up this, the piece in different ways. So it's been a real privilege. I mean, I really like to trust the creative process. And I, I call every day, I just call it a bookmark. So there's always a possibility that there's more to do, that it remains unfinished. But then sometimes it's like, okay, this moment feels like it's it's saying what needs to say right here. But just like any work of live performance, it will evolve up to the moment that the audience sits down to see the show. I mean, because that last week when we integrate sound and lighting and all the theatrical elements, that's when the magic really comes together. That is so wonderful. That's exciting. Love the way this has come together. We've kind of touched on one of the inspirations behind it, the, the book Atomic habit. And I'm just curious, along with all of that, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping audiences take away from this? You know, I, my, I like to say that I create signposts for audience so they can make meaning for themselves. So I would never want to impose a specific message. I mean, what I love doing is asking the audience, well, what did you get from the piece? And that's, if you got that, then that's the, that's what you should get. I mean, in my mind, if it's inspiring the audience to make connections, to find their own identity and story within it, then I've done my job. You know, if I've engaged them and they have found a connection to the dancers. So it's not just one specific message. I mean, one of the things about my creative process, because I do this collaborative work with the dancers, each of the 10 dancers in the company really develop their own agency and identity and connection to the work. And I really work with them a lot on facial expressions, on finding their connection all the way to their fingertips, connecting to the audience, finding their relationships with the other dancers throughout the narrative. So ideally, because again, it is a very abstract narrative, the 
audience is going to find their relationship to the dancers. They're going to find something that they identify with. And it might just be the way two dancers are connecting in the space. It might be one particular dancer's connection to being in the cage and feeling oppressed by the habits or a feeling of freedom or release. But I, I certainly don't have just one specific message. I mean, I really look at these evening leg pieces as kind of a rumination on a theme. And ideally, you know, you're left with more ruminations on a theme. Like, if anything, I'm raising questions, not answers, is how I like to do it. Hopefully, though, it you know, you're left with questions that fit your life, you know, because everyone is different. And what I really want to do is create work that anyone can find a connection to that has that inclusivity. And if I, and I feel if the dancer is really connected and inspired and they find connection to the work, then the audience is going to find connection to the work. So we do a lot of work in the creative process to think about what is your relationship to this physical moment, to this interaction, and what, what does it mean to you? And I said, I don't even need to know what it means to you. I just need you to know what it means to you. And then from that, the audience usually finds their connection. I mean, I think that's one of the gifts of, it's like when you go to see a, you know, a sculpture in a museum, it doesn't tell you specifically what it, what it is, but there's something about the energy of it that it creates a reaction. It creates a response. It makes you want to look at it. And then hopefully when you leave that museum, you're also thinking about it, you know? So, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what I, I try to do with my choreographic work. So wonderful. Loving it. My final question for this first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to Habit Formed? Everyone. <laughs> I mean, I think it's so important that dance is for everyone. And one of the things that I do in addition to creating professional works of choreography is my dance organization. Also, as I mentioned, we've done work in the New York City Public Schools. We are also an arts education vendor of the city of New York. So we actually bring dance all throughout the city. This year, we're slated to be about 85 New York City public schools. And I think that, you know, money should not be an, a, a limit people to get to see performance. Geography should not be a limit to get to see performance. And dance is for everyone. I mean, it's a language we can all very much relate to. You do not need to understand English to be able to understand it. You don't need to be born in the United States. You know, it really is about just being a physical human being and having a body and um, and living in your body. So that said, I love working with CUNY because they have, you know, they do accessible pricing and they also really promote also to CUNY students and to seniors and find different ways to expand the reach of the performance. And then we also reach out to our New York City public school partners and work with them to offer discounts or free tickets so that they can come and see the show. It's really important to us that there's no limit to access. But I think being in this wonderful location on Chambers and the West Side Highway, I really hope that we're going to get people from all five boroughs, people from outside of the city. It's a really big venue and, you know, just a, a short engagement, but we really hope that people will be coming out of their hibernation of winter, the first weekend of March, really ready to get out and see performance, be inspired. And there's really, it's open to all ages, the work is certainly something that young people can can relate to, uh, adults and seniors can all relate to. So we really don't want to limit accessibility in any way.
Well, on the second part of our interviews, we love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I would like to start by asking you what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past? Or in this case, since we are dealing with dance, what dance performances or choreographers have inspired you? Probably hands down, Pina Bausch has been the most influential choreographer, theatrical dance artist that, I mean, while she was alive, I saw every single performance she brought to the U.S. And I actually did work on her as an undergraduate studying her choreography. I, as I, I as I mentioned to you prior to the interview, I come from a dance and a theater background. I did my undergraduate degree at Northwestern in theater and dance. So I came up doing musical theater And I got really interested in performance studies and performance art. And meanwhile, I was training as a dancer. So when I developed my ideas in terms of what it means to create performances, I was always thinking about the movement of bodies in space, but just kind of how you can change perceptions of how the relationship between audiences and performers and really thinking about the the. What I love about Pina Bausch so much is it's she really takes her role in terms of demanding the audience's attention very seriously. And I mean, role or responsibility. I mean, I remember my acting teacher in college used to say that, like, you know, if you are up on stage, your job is to engage the audience, to keep them engaged and interested. And whatever that means, that you're having a new discovery in every moment. Likewise, I think even if it's not through traditional narrative, when you're doing it choreographically on stage, what is that choreographer doing to keep the audience engaged? And that, and one of the things I love about Pina Bausch's work is that it's mammoth. Everything is huge on a very broad scale, but it also continues to shift. Because typically, and especially these days, people don't like, I find it challenging to focus on one thing for too long. You know, if you have a lot of dancers on stage doing a big full body movement, high energy movement, it's so exciting. But what's even more exciting is when that drops out and we have one dancer on stage and there's a moment of quiet, of personal reflection, and we can really connect to one dancer. And then we get a duet and we and the, and the energy shifts. So Pina Bausch did this so artfully, the way throughout a full evening, she would ruminate on a theme, but then also keep shifting it up. And I love that. And that's really the way I structure my work. It's very inspired by that. Another dance company I love is Batsheva, which is out of Israel. Oha Narin is the artistic director, choreographer, and it's also incredibly theatrical work, very physically demanding work, and keeps the audience on the edge of their seats. In addition to being inspired by a lot of dance artists, a lot of global dance artists, I I love, like I mentioned, reading. I get inspired by a lot of yoga concepts and books. I read a lot of books about philosophy, about, you know, just different concepts. I think a lot about our relation to our world, our relation to living in an urban setting, our relation to our environment. All of these things really inspire me as an artist. I, every time I'm seeing a performance, whether it's a big Broadway performance or a small intimate thing in, you know, in a public venue, I'm always thinking about kind of what is connecting me to the performers? What am I engaged with? And, and I'll think about, oh, I was really engaged by the rhythm of that moment. And then I try to unpack it, or I'm really compelled by this, this particular performer's focus. So I kind of like to unpack and think about kind of 
what draws me in. The other thing is I love visual art. I mean, I'm, I do a lot of, I love going to museums and thinking about, you know, I love surrealist painting. I love sculpture and thinking about kind of the idea of a landscape. I think of choreography as a moving landscape. So the world on stage is basically colored and enacted by each dancer's interaction throughout the course of a piece, similar to like a Magritte painting or a Salvador Dali painting, where we're basically creating this surrealist world with all the different objects and colors in the space. So I really think of kind of this composition of landscapes as my work, if I can create that feeling on stage that feels like a painting, then I'm doing something right. So a lot of different things. I mean, I, I'm always journaling and, you know, whenever I can get to see different performances, I do. And I, I mean, I, I, I feel like life is the inspiration, you know, just being present as an artist and really listening, listening to the world around me. That is a stupendous list. And I <laughs> love the way you've developed that. That is so wonderful. And thank you. I would love to know now, what is your favorite part about working in the performing arts? You know, I think I'm mostly inspired by collaboration. And as I mentioned about my creative process, the way I work with my dancers, it's really about giving them opportunities to find personal discoveries, to be really present with each other. Once we're in the theater, when that gets even more blossomed out and the designers are involved and we have all that synergy of all the different departments working together and complementing one another, it's like, it's a feeling of like being in the flow. That's really all I could describe it as, you know, in the, and because I'm so blessed that I have many collaborators, collaborators I've worked with for a long time, we really have a synergy together. And I know exactly what feedback to give them to take it to a different step or a different level. And likewise, they really push my vision all the time. Like, okay, Amanda, what if we did it that way? I'm like, wow, I would never have even thought of that. That's brilliant. And I think we all are kind of invested in upping the ante together. I mean, the people I work with are so hardworking and relentless. That energy is just so magical, really. And, you know, it's funny because I think a lot about dance as an ephemeral art. You know, it's it disappears the moment after you see it. And, you know, especially in comparison with theater, dance performance runs are typically short, you know, because we perform in much larger venues. It's hard to get the big space for a long period of time. You know, if you get a full weekend, that's great. But usually it's two, three, four shows. That's kind of the run of a lot of shows. So it's a lot of work for a very short run. Um, and then hopefully we're able to keep the piece and perform it in other venues and take it on tour and all of those things. But it's amazing now with all of the, you know, the magic of technology and we think about inclusivity, more ways that we're able to share the performance, whether it's by streaming it, sharing videos after the fact, things we do on social media, all, you know, podcasts, different ways to share and talk about the work. That all becomes kind of part of the magic. But I think there's something about just getting the live performance aspect that it just makes your heart flutter and there's nothing else to describe it. You know, those feelings right before the, as the audience is coming in and then just that exchange between the audience and the performers, you know, when you can almost feel, hear a pin drop in the theater and they're sitting on the edge of their seats, really breathing with the dancers, hearing the rhythm and the music, you know, when they take a sigh as the dancers take a sigh. I mean, 
it, it, it's a magical exchange. And it really is to me why arts and culture is not something extra. It's what our, it celebrates our humanity. It connects us to our humanity. It's so fundamental to the world, you know, and it's, it's, it's a luxury that shouldn't be a luxury. It's just so important, you know, that we should all be able to experience it. I feel I, I, I feel thank I count my blessings every day that I've been able to live my dream and make a career in the performing arts because I find it so fulfilling and it's always surprising. It's, and there's always new challenges. So, I mean, I think about my own growth as an artist is like, the more I learn how to pivot, how to be present, how to roll with the punches, whatever they are, when equipment breaks, when things, you know, injuries, all the things that happen, you know, that's part of the experience. And and I'll, and being able to not look at them as setbacks, look at them as opportunities. And sometimes, you know, a mistake becomes something very magical, a new discovery. And I think that that's really what's so fantastic with live performance. Oh, that's so well put. I love that. That is such a wonderful answer. And I think one that we, all of us in the performing arts shares. Absolutely. And a great lead into my favorite question to ask, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, wow. I mean, there's just so many. I mean, I think, I mean, I think that I, I think about as a young person, some of the first times I went to see live performance, I mean, I remember when I was like five years old and I went to see Annie on, I was, I grew up in Boston. So I saw it, I think they were at like the Schubert Theater in Boston. And it was, I was you know, in first grade, it was a big deal to bring me to the show. And it was like, you know, these were expensive tickets to take a little girl to, but I mean, I was obsessed with Annie and I really wanted to go. And I just thought it it was th that moment. I mean, it was when going to uh, going to see the show that I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to create performing, performing artwork like this is there's nothing, nothing more real than this experience. Not, I mean, I, I remember the excitement I felt as a young person and I started creating shows around the same age. I mean, actually, when I was in first grade. I organized a big production in my school. I wrote this musical dance theater piece. I don't, it was a little bit about time travel and I cast it and I directed it and I organized with the teacher, the school leaders to like figure out a way we could do it at our school. I mean, I was clearly destined as a young person that I had some ideas and stuff to create, but I also like really carved out space for it. It wasn't just like auditioning for the school play. It was that I created the projects out of thin air and brought them to the adults and said, hey, can we do this? So, I mean, I think when I think about my first memories, it's the opportunity of going to things, but also it was about the, the limitless imagination of creating. And it felt like a world that I just wanted to dive into. And I feel like every time I dive in, I get more ideas. I make more connections with other amazing, collaborators and creative people it, and then you know the the sharing it with audiences and being able to talk to audiences it's just something that some of the conversations I've had over the years with different audience members about my work are things that have really stayed with me and it really keeps me going yeah I mean so I, I gave you more than one memory but they're all related <laughs> I love those, though. That is incredible. Once again, Annie coming in to inspire and, and putting <laughs> the theater bug in you. I love that. That's just 
Thank you so much for those memories. Those are so wonderful. Of course, of course. Do you or your company have any other projects coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? This is this production at BMCC March 1st and 2nd is our big show that we have coming up right now. But this is actually our 24th season. So we're working up towards our 25th in 2025. So I founded the company in 2000. The next thing we're looking at is we're hoping to do some international touring next year. And we're working on touring to France. So that's an exciting thing we have down the pike. We're also, I'm in the process of developing a new piece that we're going to start in the the early fall. It's going to be a collaboration with percussion artists. So we're excited about that. But in terms of upcoming shows to buy tickets to, this is the only thing right now on the calendar. We have been doing a tour to the Hamptons every summer for the last 12 years. We call it Green Afternoon and we perform in outdoor spaces in these gardens in East Hampton. And we are planning and hoping to do that this summer. So if any of your listeners spend any time in the Hamptons, I would encourage you to check out our website, amandaselwindance.org, because that will also be coming up in the spring. Some announcements about that. And yeah, we're also looking forward to, because of the work we do in the city schools, after our premiere at Tribeca Performing Arts Center, we're really looking to share this work in community. So we have lined up a whole bunch of presentations in Queens, in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, going into public schools, performing for parents and students, both during the school day and outside of school time. In addition to performing the work, we're gonna be leading some multicultural dance workshops with families. So that's something we're looking forward to as well. I would also just tell your listeners, if they're interested in learning more about our arts and education program, or they're looking to bring dance into their school, they should definitely reach out and let us know because we're really always looking for more opportunities to build relationships. It's something where, you know, the arts in the New York City schools, it is an amazing city filled with artists, but there's still surprisingly are many schools that are very underserved and arts are essential. And it's so, you know, and, and it's a game changer. Some of our public schools we've been working with for 15, 16, 17 years, and we have longstanding relationships with the school leaders, with the teachers and you know, similar to what I mentioned in terms of my creative process of developing habit formed, That's how we develop our school programs with the schools. We think about what can we do to inspire self-expression in your students through the art form of dance. So whether we're teaching a ballet program, a modern dance program, a jazz, an African, a Latin dance program, we create opportunities for student expression, for self-expression. So after the premiere of Habit Form, we're really going to be focusing on our community work throughout the spring and looking at site-specific performances throughout the summer. That is so wonderful. I am over the moon with your school involvement. That's just absolutely incredible. My final question is if our listeners would like more information about Habit Formed or about you or your company, how can they do so? You did mention the website, owendance.org. Are there any other ways to get a hold of you or your company? Absolutely. So Amanda Selwyn, I'll just spell my last name for the listeners, S-E-L-W-Y-N, amandaselwindance.org is the website. 
on our website, there's lots of videos, there's lots of photos, lots of summaries. You can actually look at my entire repertory, 24 years of choreographic work through the website. So if you are interested in seeing short clips, long clips, they're all there. You can see biographies and profiles of the dancers and my designer collaborators all up on the website. If you are a social media person, we are on Instagram. My handle is Amanda Selwyn, S-E-L-W-Y-N-D-T for dance theater. So Amanda Selwyn DT is our Instagram. And we, you know, post lots of fun photos and videos and also some profiles and stories of dancers and things like that. We also like to share some rehearsal videos, some behind the scenes. So that's a fun thing to see on our Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. You can find me there as well. You can also learn more about our arts education program. It's all up on our website as well. The arts education program is called Notes in Motion, and it's all linked through the Amanda Selwyn Dance website. To buy tickets, you can buy tickets on the Amanda Selwyn Dance website. You can also go directly to Tribeca Pack to find out more about Habit Formed there. I'll also mention if anyone's looking for an opportunity to get more involved, we are having a gala on Saturday night to support the work of the company. So following the performance, we're gonna go down the street to Smith Tavern to do a little reception. And at the reception, we're actually gonna be honoring our videographer collaborator, Zachary Ludisher, who's been working with the company for about 18 years, developing all sorts of fantastic documentation and creative video work for the organization. We're also going to be honoring one of the school leaders that we partner with at PS 126 in the Bronx. So we're going to honor a principal. He's going to talk a little bit more about the Aww. dance work in the public schools. So that's the Saturday night. So if someone wants a little more involvement after the show, they can come and join us and get to know us a little more. I mentioned that the videos on their website, we also have a Vimeo channel. So if you're it's under my name, Amanda Selwyn. And not only is all my work up there, the full performance footage, the small scale performances, everything, the site specific, but there's also access to a lot of rehearsal footage. So if you're a person that wants to see us and get to know us behind the scenes, you're welcome to check out our Vimeo channel too. That is amazing. That is just fantastic. So many ways to get involved, so many ways to, to tune in. This is fabulous. So thank you for all those. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing. Well, wonderful. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for stopping by and taking the time to speak with me today and to share not only your amazing company, but this incredible new show coming up that is playing at the BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center. It's been such a joy speaking with you, and I hope this is the first of many conversations. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about my work and, you know, just to let more people know about Habit Formed. Absolutely. Thank you. My guest today has been the artistic director and choreographer, Amanda Selwyn, whose new show Habit Formed is being presented by Amanda Selwyn Dance Theater. It's playing March 1st and 2nd at BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting TribecaPack.org. Or you can head to AmandaSelwynDance.org for that information and tickets. And while you're there, check out all the amazing things that Amanda Selwyn Dance Theater has done, is doing all the incredible community involvement that they've got, especially with schools and those programs. You can also check them out on social media at Amanda Selwyn 
DT. We'll have all of this information posted on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But right now, make sure you get your tickets for this incredible new show. It's Habit Formed playing March 1st and 2nd at BMCC Tribeca Performing Arts Center. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.